This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's Word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. Father, would you send your spirit in this place, uh, Lord? Uh, would you stir your spirit in our hearts to open our ears um, for your word proclaimed this morning? Incline our hearts to you now and always. Pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I love America. I love America. I, I'm wearing black right now. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the, the black of, of, the, uh, of a clergy shirt represents mortification. That is putting to death, that is, which is sinful in us. Um, um, the, the Bible has this pattern of mortification and vivification that we are called to, to put away the old and put on the new. And so the black represents mortification and, and the collar represents... Um, uh, slavery to Christ. It represents a caller like, like I, am, I belong to him. Like I'm not here on my own authority, but I belong to Jesus. And uh, I'm under uh, his authority. I, I can't speak here of my own, um, that I belong to Jesus. But um, boy, if I could wear an American flag, if that were a patriotic thing to do, I would wear it. I love America. I love the land. From sea to shining sea, we have two beautiful coasts. We have a mountain range in the east, a mountain range in the west. Great Plains in the middle. America's a wonderful land. American uh, amazing features. The Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, the Black Canyon, the Gunnison, or my favorite place, uh, Glacier National Park. I love the land. But not only is it a neat land, but we have this amazing constitutional republic that, that has sprung up here, um, that has allowed opportunity for people, that has given us freedom. And of course, here in South Dakota, we are also aware of the, the dual nature of this, that, that um, indigenous peoples were displaced and um, trees were broken. Um, so we're aware of that, and that um, even in our founding era, this new nation that came up, um, that in order to form it, um, that slavery is, is part of our heritage. But boy, America is great. Our freedoms, opportunity, we've become this place where immigrants can come and make a new life. And each of us here are, are, are descendants of we are the, either are immigrants or we're descendants of immigrants. We're, we're this land that's welcomed so many people. Don't worry, I'm not going to get too bogged down here with, with um, talking about the beauty of the Constitution. You're not going to hear me say the Emoluments Clause. Um, I'm sure some of your eyes glazed over when I mentioned the beautiful Constitution. Um, I raise this point because the beauty of America, um, I think, has also led to a, a drawback. And that is we have the freedom to believe whatever we want, which is great. But I think this heritage that we have has also led us to believe that, that somehow inside of us, like whatever we believe is true, that we don't need external authorities, that, that we are our own authority. And we have, we have people who write books about God using no other authority beyond their own gut. People on television telling us about God and who he is. But I, in fact, like um, the way that Tim... Pastor Tim Keller put it. He said, if God is real, why would he agree with everything that we think? Wouldn't he challenge our thinking in some way? 
We should expect God to challenge on what we think is right somewhere, right? Well, we believe that God is real. We believe that God has revealed himself, um, that God has revealed himself to humanity, uh, that, that God revealed himself to Abraham, that God revealed himself to Moses and through the prophets. And, and most recently, God has made himself, um, he's revealed himself to us through the person of Jesus. And we believe that the Bible is, is the word of God. And so the Bible challenges us in a lot of places. Where our gut says one thing, the Bible kind of challenges that. And ultimately, um, we need to come to terms with that. We don't, um, the, 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 the word of God proclaims this amazing story that God became man in Jesus Christ. And that he walked this earth and that he lived for us that he died for us, and that he was raised from the dead. Um, and then right now, he's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And this, is, this truth is not something that we would find in our gut. This truth is only found in God's revealed scripture. We don't find that in our gut. So as we wrestle with difficult texts, and I feel like this summer, we've been thrown all sorts of difficult texts to wrestle with. Um, the, the readings that have been scheduled have, like, they have not been easy ones to wrestle with. But ultimately, we need to put our gut in, in the back seat and put the word of the God forefront. Here's why I'm bringing it up. We have to take, we have to take the whole of Scripture. We, we have to accept it even when it's difficult. We have to take the stuff that's tough to swallow along with the good news. So last week, the gospel lesson pushed back on this domesticated Jesus that, that has kind of been in pop American Christianity, uh, how Jesus is like hippie Jesus, who just wants peace and love. And, and last week, um, the reading from Luke, Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptize, baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, and so on. It gets into mother-in-laws and daughters, daughter-in-law. Um, the Bible pushes back against our desire to domesticate Jesus and to make him our own and to fit him into our own kind of preconceived notions of fairness and justice. But instead, we have to wrestle with God's word revealed. That was a hard teaching last week. Jesus came not to bring peace, but division. So let's take a look at what the Lord has for us this week. Page 11 in your bulletins, we have the gospel reading for today. Page 11. Let's look at it together. I'll read the first few verses. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. So quick overview. Jesus is working his way through the countryside, teaching in towns on his way to Jerusalem. And he's approached. Um, we're not always um, 
Sometimes Jesus has a teaching. Sometimes he's approached with a question. And here we have someone who has a question for him. The question is, Lord, will those who are saved be few? I think it's a really interesting question that is asked. It's probably why Luke decided to include it in his gospel. Um, People have come at Jesus with, with all sorts of questions. The rich young ruler came and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus had a really good teaching there uh, in response to that. Uh, this is a question that has persisted through the ages. Um, what must I do to be saved? Are there many who will be saved? This was a significant question during the Protestant Reformation. Um, that time in the church was a time of great fear where people lived without assurance of God's goodness, of God's promise, of God's covenant promise on our behalf, where people wondered um, if, if what they had done in their lives was enough. And Martin Luther helped the church to rediscover this ancient truth that God justifies the ungodly, that God comes to us as sinners and declares us uh, righteous and, and calls us his own, but this is the way that God works. And then we have assurance in that. Um, and, and we, um, although we are not like linked to Martin Luther, um, we have an, a Reformation tradition that acknowledges, um, that, that preaches the assurance that like, that you can trust Jesus at his word, that if you trust in him um, and, and through his promises, you can, there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. We don't need to wonder are, are the things that I've done sufficient? We can have assurance in the teachings that, what, that Christ's work on our behalf is enough for us. It's crucial for us today. If you think that the path to salvation is through us making a difference in the world or through serving the poor or just by believing the right things, like, wow, I... I, I I'm for all the right things. God, that's, that's what you, you're calling me to. Jesus tells us to strive to enter through the narrow door. Many will seek to enter and will not be able. And then Jesus extends this teaching. Now that people are asking that the door be open to them. So people are arriving at the narrow door. And they're like, open up. And it says that the master of the house responds through the door. I don't know if there's a door slit, uh, if there's a peephole. I'm not sure what sort of door this is, but there's communication through the door. I don't know if they can see inside and see, um, you know, we, we see uh, this vision of, of uh, God's people inside. But they're asking, will you open this door to us? And in verse 26, we see persistence. Uh, the, the master says, I do not know where you come from, but they make their case. They're like, yeah, you do. The master's already said, I don't know you, but, but they're like, yeah, yeah. Um, we ate and drank in your presence, and, and you taught in our streets. We were around. Don't you remember us? We were around. We were by your side. We may, they may have even been by his side as he served the poor. Didn't you see this, Jesus? We put a Life 96.5 sticker in our car. We served at the banquet. Picked up garbage. We recycled. We composted. 
And what is the response to these people? We see it in verse 27. I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And we see a glimpse of the judgment and the punishment. We see, um, we, we see in verse 30, Jesus repeats his teaching. He says, behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. So, so what do we do with a teaching like this that, that, that even just on the surface seems difficult to understand, and maybe it seems that way because we don't want to take, we don't want to, we don't want to believe that most people will not be saved. It's a hard pill to swallow. The teaching of the Bible is something that's both radically exclusive but also radically inclusive. It's radically exclusive because it teaches that God's word revealed in Scripture is the truth. And in Scripture, we are taught that Jesus is the narrow door. That is a very exclusive claim, that Jesus is the narrow door. And if you want to enter the kingdom, you need to enter it through Jesus. That is an exclusive teaching. The entry to God's kingdom is found in Jesus and in him alone. But the kingdom is also radically inclusive. You don't need to be Jewish or black or white or native or, or uh, Asian. We aren't born into the kingdom, and we don't enter of our own merit. Entry into the kingdom is a free gift. It's radically inclusive. you got to enter through Jesus. But the entry is free. It's bought and paid for by the work of Jesus Christ. It's a kingdom that welcomes any and all. There's no entry fee. There's no cover charge. Oh, this is a hard teaching for us. We're Americans. It grinds against our nature. You know what it's like when you go to the restaurant with, with like multiple families and you fight over the check, right? You're like, no, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay my own way. I'm going to cover it. And it's a hard reality to acknowledge that we are beneficiaries of God's grace. And it's a really hard teaching that people who are doing laudable work out there are doing good things are going to be left out of the kingdom. It's a difficult thing. They're going to knock on the door. They're going to present a really good list of accomplishments. Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. It's just the latest of the hard teachings that we've had this summer. I feel like the Lord has been throwing a lot at us but there has been a theme that has tied it together. From the day of Pentecost, where God's Holy Spirit, where his spirit was given as this gift for the church and given to us lavishly as a gift. God's like, I'm going to provide this gift for you. I'm going to send you my helper. Jesus said, it's going to be good for me to go away because I'm going to send you my helper. And then we, move on to, we moved on in, in July to Luke chapter 10 when Jesus sent out the 72 with very strict instructions. And, he, and part of that, him sending is, is don't take a lot with you because I'm going to provide. That was, that was a really hard teaching for me because I work really hard. Um, 
That really convicted my heart because I realized how much I've been fretting about God's provision. God's provision for my family, God's provision for this church. And, and, and that I, I've not been resting in the Lord and that I've not been trusting in the Lord's provision. That I thought maybe if I would just work a little harder, that that, that, that would be what, what we need. My family, this church. I mean, I literally made myself sick. Um, and I've been convicted that the Lord is calling me to, to, to trust in him and to just rest in the Lord. Then we read the lesson from Colossians urging us to put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. And as I attempt to do this daily, I attempt to do it apart from the strength of Jesus Christ. Where we're called to look on Jesus Christ. It's like, it's, ins- it's the most insane thing ever. It's like trying to wash dishes without soap. It's like, I mean, the dishes aren't going to get clean, but boy, you can really scrub them really well. I remember seeing like a video illustrating this, like the, the, the futility of, uh, it was a practical joke. This guy was, um, <laughs> thankfully it was just, vi- <laughs> there was a guy in a shower. Thankfully we only see him from like the cho- shoulders up. But he's like trying to rinse the shampoo out of his hair and there's someone like, Dumping shampoo on his head, like, you know, and he, like, he's like, what in the world? Like, why is there still shampoo in my hair? Trying to put away, put to death those things without Jesus Christ. It's a futile thing. That's me trying to put away evil, that which is evil in me apart from Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm like, wash my hair and still shampoo in it. If we didn't get it then, the gospel lesson two weeks ago reaffirmed God's call not to trust in our own possessions. It's God's desire to provide for us. Some of the Lord has thrown a lot of difficult teachings at us. Trust in me. Trust in me for my work in the Holy Spirit. Trust in me for, uh, to provide for everything you need. Trust in me to help you in this path as you're walking along to help put to death. And then today, we're told to enter through the narrow door the only thing we can do is to trust in the goodness and the mercy of God. For those of you who have walked through the narrow door, you don't need to ever feel anxiety about whether or not you belong. One of the worst feelings that, that, that I, I think I've ever had is the feeling of not belonging. Have you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Like whether you arrive somewhere and you're either overdressed or you're underdressed or you're like, there's no one else here. Did I come an hour early? Am I on the right day? Um, might start turning a little red and start sweating. Like this, this feeling of just not belonging is a very uncomfortable thing. If you've entered through the narrow door, you belong. Last week, uh, Jordan watched this movie, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I've got to be honest, I didn't watch it that closely. So if you watched it and I'm getting it totally wrong, um, let's just go with it. Okay, can we do that? Uh, if I get it right, the lesson seems to fit here. This girl arrives in this, king, in this magical kingdom. And at first the guards are like, who are you? And like, we're skeptical of you and uh, go away. We're going to arrest you, whatever. What do you want? But as soon as they discover who she is, that she is a, they realize that she is a, the princess She has all the rights and privileges associated with being a princess. Here's the thing. She wasn't even aware that this kingdom existed. She arrives in it. She's a princess. Like, oh, where can we take you? How can we serve you? 
you're the princess. She isn't even aware this kingdom exists and she arrives and she is welcomed like royalty. That's us as we are welcomed into God's kingdom. We come in humbly by invitation by the Lord of the feast through the narrow door who is Jesus Christ and we're welcomed as royalty. I want to close by looking back at the first verse in this reading. What does it say? It says he was going on his way through towns and villages, journeying where? To Jerusalem. But Jesus, as he calls people to, to enter through the narrow door, the narrow door who is Jesus Christ, he was on his way to Jerusalem to lay down his life for our sake so that we would have entry through that door, so that each of us could stride through that narrow door knowing with confidence that our entry fee has been covered through the work of Jesus Christ.